Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, hello, this is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Always very thankful that you are joining me, and glad to have you today. So we are going to do a show that I think is going to be very helpful. It was very helpful to me, actually, to write it. And so I learned quite a few things about this whole concept that I'm going to present to you. And this is making friends with the word no. Yes, we are going to be friends with the word no. And why that would be so powerful and revolutionizing for you, transforming for your life. And so I want to talk about no. And the first recorded no in history, the first is in the Garden of Eden. And this is in, in um, Genesis 2.17. And God says that he is very, he's very adamant about this. He says, except the tree that gives knowledge of what is good and evil and what is bad, you must not eat the fruit of that tree. If you do, you will die someday. You will die the same day. So it's really serious. He says, you can eat the, of the fruit of any tree in the garden, except the tree that gives knowledge of what is good and what is bad, you must not eat the fruit of that tree. You will die the same day. So this is Adam and God when they are on friendly a friendly basis. They are living in the garden, and he's walking with um, Adam every day. And he's, he's exploring the garden that he has made for Adam. And he's saying, look at all these things I have made. I planted the garden in Eden, and, and I've made all kinds of beautiful trees that grow and produce good fruit. And, and I've given streams that flow in Eden and water the garden. And he's given all these precious stones and pure gold and, and all these different things and animals that, that would keep Adam company. And he's saying, now listen, everything here is yes. Everything is yes. The one no is the tree of knowledge. And he says, no, don't do that. And that's the first, first real time that we have heard the word no as humans. And so I want you to just consider this concept that maybe Adam was not a grown adult man, that he was like the way we were when we were kids and God was the father. And he's saying, you know, I'm not ready for you to know quite yet what is good and bad. So I want you to just stay away from that one for now. I'm, I, I want to grow you up a little bit. I'm going to introduce a woman into your life. And I just kind of have this plan I'm doing with my humans that I've created, and I want to do it in a sequential manner. And I want to give you knowledge when you are prepared to handle the knowledge, I want you to think about if you have ever had a child that has been abused, if you have been abused yourself, and what do the adults say to those children when they find out they know something that they know is not age appropriate? And they say to that child, who told you that? Well, we see that God had this conversation with Adam when he found out he ate from the tree. He said, and, and he found out that they thought they were naked, 
They're hiding from God just like children do. And God says to them, as, as he says, where are you? They say, we're hiding. He says, why are you hiding? They say, because we're naked. We were ashamed. And God says to them, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? And so I want you to think about this idea that when God said the word no about the tree, it was not to withhold anything good from him. It was to actually probably give it to him at some point in time, but in a timely manner. And so the first no ever recorded is this tree of knowledge. It's similar to a parent saying, don't drink that poison, you're going to die. Or don't run out into the street, could kill you. Because I want you to understand that when God creates rules, which are yes and no, you can do this, you can't do this. Rules, if you look through the Bible, and I, I tell clients frequently this, or, or when I speak to people, how imperative is it that, that we understand that God is not this legalistic God. He's a God of order and rules, and rules are always about safety. If you really think about it, the rules that are just are always about safety. They're not withholding a good thing. They are saying, hey, please, wear a hard hat in, in this warehouse because something could fall on you and you could break your neck. So the rule is hard hats are required. There's rules on medications that we take. There's rules about how to cook food. There's rules about how to drive our cars. And those are always around safety. So when you really think about God saying no to you, I really want you to trust that he is your father and he does love you. And if he says no to something, it's always about your safety. It's not about withholding something from you. It's not about withholding a good thing. It's not about making you pay. It's not about consequencing. It's about hoping that you hear his word no so you don't experience a consequence, which is what happened, <clears throat> excuse me, what happened to Adam and Eve. They experienced a huge consequence that we are all paying for. We are all experiencing that consequence that they went ahead and did what God said. No, don't do this. And so God says, oh, my gosh, there's a huge consequence for this. So this is what I'm going to do to make things safer. I'm going to take you out of the garden. I'm going to place you in time. So I have a plan to redeem that choice. And it is a long time coming. So when we think about this, no, there was only one rule to begin with. Then what happened? Well, we broke that rule. So then we get more rules because now we are really not safe people. So the next time we get rules, this is the Ten Commandments. And these were written by God on two tablets of stone and given to Moses on Mount Sinai. You know the story. And the scholars, they, they think this is around the 13th or 14th century B.C., so God gave this Decalogue, or, or Ten Commandments to the Israelites after they left Egypt. So similar to Adam gets taken out of, the, out of the garden, okay, Israelites leave Egypt, now they get rules. They get rules as how to live in this new land. And so this is what God says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the one we start with. Really, if I do that rule, I probably won't break the next nine. If God is truly my God, I have no other God before me. I will probably not break the rest of them. He says, you'll make no idols. Because he knows if I'm not your God, you're going to make an idol. So if you find yourself making an idol, you know you broke the first commandment because I'm no longer your God. 
Then he says, you will not take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't minimize the God that created you. Don't use that in a way that demeans and demoralizes who he is. And secondly, you don't use his name in vain as a way to strengthen something you want or don't want. And so the next one, the fourth, says, keep the Sabbath day holy. He's talking now about the rule of self-care. This is important for our care, that we rest. He's written it into the fabric of the planet. The planet has to have times of rest. And when we defy that, we see some of what's happening to our food. We're defying rest. We're just continuing to plant and harvest, plant and harvest, plant and harvest. And we're not giving land time to rest, and we're not growing many of those vegetables and fruits naturally. And so then he says, honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you. Now, what I have learned about that commandment, because this can sometimes feel like a rule that is very uncomfortable and painful and hurtful sometimes to obey. And sometimes that's because we think God's telling us to do something that he's not. He's not saying to like your mom and dad. He's not saying to even agree with your mom and dad. He's really not even telling you that you are required to be in relationship with your mom and dad. I always think it's wonderful when we have extended families and we have families that stay connected generation after generation. Sometimes that's, that's not possible. So what this really means in the Jewish culture is honoring your mom and your dad, honoring your father and mother, means that your life does not bring shame to that family name. So you live your life well. You follow God's rule for you. And you will not dishonor the family name. You will not break that commandment. So this is about not embarrassing your family. This is about living a life that is admirable, worthy, all these things that God is working on helping us to do. And thankfully, we have lots of grace and mercy in the process of that. So then the next five that we have, shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, lying, and you shall not covet. And so we see all of these things are rules of safety. And so it's imperative that we understand when God says, no, do not do this. He's saying, if you do, you're going against the rules that govern the system that I created. I created the system. Your physical body is a a system. I've created families are systems. Corporations are systems. Countries are systems. All these things, the, the, the agriculture world is a system. The animals have a system. All these systems have rules that govern them to keep them safe and in order. When we defy those rules, we break order. And when we break order, we have chaos. And we see much of that in our world today. And that's some of what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. That was some of what was happening when, when God was moving the Israelites um, out of Egypt. And so what you'll see in your own life What are the rules I'm breaking that are creating chaos for me? And what rules do I maybe need to be honoring in order to have the life that God has called me to have and that God wants me to have? It's like I tell clients to simply simply put as this. You don't four-wheel drive a Ferrari, right? It's not what they're made for. You ruin it. And it's a phenomenal machine, and you ruin it. And so God is saying, I designed you in in a specific way 
And there's rules that govern you and your life, your body, your health, your mind, your heart. And we are to honor the rules that govern the system. So the third edict, which is interesting, after we had the big no in the garden and we get the ten big no's in the Ten Commandments, in the New Testament, God goes, maybe I'll just say a yes. Maybe if I say yes, they'll be able to hear that better. And I'm going to talk about how the brain handles the word no. And so God understands us. And so he says that, yes, this law that he is, is telling us to do fulfills all the no's. If you do yes to this law, you won't break all those no's. So join me again in the next segment. I'm Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about making friends with the word no. 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Make sure you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me again. If you're just tuning in, make sure you um, check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and you can listen to the show as a podcast. I'm also on SoundCloud and Stitcher. You can go to all those, and iTunes, all those different places where you can find these podcasts if you can't hear it in its entirety. So I'm glad you joined me today, and we are talking about making friends with the word no. And that kind of sounds kind of negative, because no is negative. It just, it just is. But I want to talk about why there is so much power in making no your friend. And so we talked in the first segment just about these, these first two no's that God gave. And the first one was no to the tree of knowledge. Do not eat from that tree because you will die the same day. I mean, that's a huge consequence. So Adam and Eve do it. God says, oh my gosh, I can't save them from that consequence, but I can redeem what they've done. And so what I want you to understand is that, no, if I need to obey or honor the word no in any kind of place or part in my life with any person, if I defy that no, and it is a a good no, then I'll have chaos. Something might die. Something might die if I don't honor the word no. So if it's no to driving down the wrong side, driving, you know, on the wrong side of the road, that's a big no, because surely someone can die. Me, another passenger, another driver. And so no's are all about safety in God's world. Now in our world, in the, in the world of humans without God, Our no's have a lot to do with control. And so we want to control people by saying the word no, which causes people to want to resist, rebel, um, and, and not honor it. So what you want to think about is if you really understand what no is in its true form, it was created by God for safety. It's to, it's to not incur a consequence that is going to be life-altering or can kill something. So you, when you're thinking about the word no, even though it is a negative, it is a negative for sure, you want to say to yourself, but what is that no protecting? What negative is that no protecting me from? Because that, that negative that occurred when Adam and Eve ate of the apple is a big consequence that we are still 
feeling and dealing with. That's how far-reaching that consequence was. So when God said, don't do that, there are things in my life that God says, don't do that. Some of them are personal to me because I'm a unique person. And so God has rules for me that may not be for other people. And then there are global rules that just work for everybody, and that was the Ten Commandments. That's the second thing, second set of no's that God gave us because we didn't do the first no. So the third no is actually a yes, and he decided maybe I'll try going positive. So he gives us a yes. When I'm going to read you this, you will see that this is more of a yes. This is not a negative. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you will fulfill all the other rules. So he makes this rule, this no, because there is a must. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Because if you do that, you will fulfill all the other rules and you will incur less chaos and less death in your life. And he says the first is the greatest commandment, but the second is equally important. That's kind of a contradiction. The first is the greatest, but the second is equally important. He says love your neighbor as yourself. Because you know what happens when you truly love yourself the way God loves you? You can handle the word no because you say no to bad things. And you don't have a desire to do things that you know will be costly or harmful or incur a lot of consequences, or end up getting you somewhere you really don't want to be, or having to deal with something you never wanted to deal with. When you really love yourself, you take good care of you. You take care of you the way God would care about you, because God's trusting you to care for you. And so when I care for myself, I have so much more ability to care for others. I have a lot more grace. I have a lot more latitude. I have a lot more energy to love those people. I have a lot better, uh, more appropriate expectations. When I love myself, I am much better able to love others. So God always says no because of safety. See, we, we think in our childlike mind, it's a way to bind us up. No. No is to keep us safe enough to enjoy all the yeses that God brings to our life and that we can have in our life. So I'm going to say that again. God says no for safety. It keeps us safe enough to enjoy all the yeses that God brings to our life. All the wonderful things. Because we don't mess up the wonderful things when we say no to the right things. And so if you can't say no, you can't effectively, honestly, wisely, wholeheartedly, etc., whatever. You can't say yes See, yes and no are different sides of the same coin. They go together. They work together. They're not independent of one another. So it's kind of like having a coin in your hand. No or yes, which is appropriate for this situation, for this question, for what's being presented to me, for my desire. Is it a yes or is it a no? And so it's important that I choose which side of the coin best fits the circumstance presented to me. So we see this in... 1 Corinthians 6.12, and this is an interesting verse that Jesus says that corresponds with that first and second commandment that, that fulfilled the law. And that's the one about loving the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself. And so in 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, 
but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not be a slave to anything. That's the New Living Translation. I usually use the NIV, which says not everything, you know, everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So really listen to this. The New Living Translation says, you say, hey, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though I'm allowed to do anything, hey, that's God saying, you can do anything. You're free. I gave you the world. I gave you the planet. I gave you the gift of life. You get to spend it however you want. You can do anything. But I must not become a slave to anything. You see, if I can't say no, I become a slave to all kinds of things. So I can do anything. But is it constructive? Am I actually fulfilling the second part of that law? Love me as I love my neighbor. See, when I am loving me, I recognize what is constructive for me and what is not. Knowing I can do anything. The problem is I can't choose consequences. That's what Adam and Eve learned. God gave them the entire garden, and he says, hey, don't eat from that tree because you'll probably die the same day. And they did it anyways. And then they incurred the consequence that all of us are experiencing as well. So that consequence was not going to be undone in a quick minute. That was going to take all this time as God redeems his creation from that one choice. To disobey. To not say no to themselves. They were needing to learn no to themselves to really, really say yes to the entire kingdom. So this is imperative that we learn this word no. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of making friends with the word no. 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Oh, I'm so glad you joined me today. And if you're just tuning in, we are at the half hour part of the show. So we have a half hour more to go. And we are talking about making friends with the word no. We talked in the first half hour about the first no was in the Garden of Eden, not to eat of that tree of knowledge. The second set of no's were the Ten Commandments. And the third edict was a, was a no, but it was kind of really more couched as a yes. And it was, here's the law. Love your, the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all that is within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so instead of saying, don't do this, God said, do this, do this, and life will go well with you. And you will manage and take care of all those other no's. You won't do those other no's. If you do this you probably won't even struggle that much with all the other no's. Like, don't steal, don't covet, don't lie, don't murder, don't take the Lord's name in vain. All those, those Ten Commandments. We will manage ourselves much better if we say yes to the rule of love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all that's within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we ended on this really powerful verse that makes that that. New Testament commandment that fulfills all the law, really powerful. Because not only does God say, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to give you a bunch of no's. I'm going to just say, hey, I know you. I know my creation. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, 
you love you and you love your neighbor, then guess what? You're not going to break any laws and you can do anything. Because God tells us here in 1 Corinthians 6.12, this strange verse, he says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And so God says to us, listen, this is how I started out the garden. I didn't want there to be a bunch of no's. I want to say you can do anything. Anything you want to do, you can do. But there's the no. Not everything's constructive. Not everything is beneficial. And if I don't manage it, then I will be a slave to that thing that I'm allowed to do. And I'll be dominated by that thing if I can't say no. If I can't say no, I am then dominated by that thing I can't say no to. This is where we get into problems with addictions or defense mechanisms or maladaptive coping skills or what we would call just bad habits. Our brain learns them and helps us to continue to do them. And the more often we do them, the more efficient our brain gets at doing them. So we say to ourselves, I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart, all my soul. And I'm going to love myself the way God loves me. I'm going to be a good caregiver to myself. And I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself. So ask yourself, when you're evaluating how well you love yourself, how would your husband or your children or your best friend or your wife feel if you loved them the way you love yourself? That's kind of challenging because I'm not always good at loving myself. So I don't think my husband would like to be loved the way I love myself sometimes. So that gives me a good challenge. Am I loving me the way God loves me? And then am I able to love my neighbor the way that I love myself? And then God adds to it by saying, and guess what? You can do anything. You have to determine what is beneficial. So God is in a sense telling us we went from children in the Garden of Eden to adults. And he says, you can determine what's beneficial. You know what is beneficial. So you can do anything you want. I'm not going to fight with you anymore about it. I'm not going to come in with a big stick. I'm going to say, hey, you're free. You're free. Whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. And Jesus set the planet free when he died. And he says, you're free. Do whatever you want to do. Everything's permissible. But not everything is constructive. That means that God is calling us to a higher level of functioning. That we are to be adults. And we are to say, we are to, say to ourselves, who am I fighting with? I can do whatever I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Am I going to tell me what to do? Am I going to step up and be a good caregiver and, a, and, and love myself for real? Because when we have little babies, we don't give them Coca-Cola. It's not good for their teeth. It's not good for their whole system, right? We don't want them addicted to caffeine and sugar one year after they're born. So we resist that. We don't even offer it to them. But what do we do with ourselves as adults? I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll do that, I'll do that, and I hope I don't have to experience a consequence. But what God is telling us through this whole process of the Old Testament and the New Testament is that everything has consequences, either good consequence or bad consequence. There is movement in this universe. Everything creates something. So when God said, don't do that, because you may die the day you eat that, that from that tree, that's essentially what happened, and he stopped that death and put us in time so we wouldn't die immediately. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about this powerful, powerful word, no. 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio, and make sure you hear a look at my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt on Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in today. Make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A.com. Also can find me on Facebook. That's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., INC for Incorporated. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, all kinds of places that you can get some inspirational and motivational help during your week. These podcasts are also on my website, the newest ones. If you want to listen to the all the years that I've done this, you can go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. So there's lots of places you can hear the show if you're just tuning in and can't listen to it in its entirety. Because we are talking about making friends with the word no and how powerful that is, revolutionizing for your own life, and how life-giving it is to understand that the word no is one of the best friends I could have. It's one of the safest things I can do. And so we left off in the last segment talking about this, this amazing verse in 1 Corinthians 6.12, where God said after that, that First, that, that commandment of the New Testament of loving the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself. He set that rule in place. He goes on further to say, and guess what? You're free. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. What that says when they use the word lawful, that's the English standard version, he's saying that there's no law anymore. There's no law to break. Okay? And some of this you have to understand God is a father. He's going through this process with his people. And he's kind of coming up to the point where he's like, listen, you guys are now adults. You know, you weren't a little kiddo in the Garden of Eden when I said to Adam the first time, hey, don't do that because you might die. The same way we say to children, don't run out in the street. Don't drink the poison. Don't put your finger in the light socket. This is what God is saying, don't do that. It's really bad, bad, bad consequences. And we see the consequence because we're experiencing that consequence of that choice that Adam made. And so now God's coming to the place where he's like, listen, I gave you that law. I gave you the Ten Commandments. Now I gave you the, Jesus gave you the law in the New Testament that fulfills all the laws. And now you know what I'm going to say to you? Hey, no laws. Everything's lawful. Do whatever you want to do. But there are consequences. So, I'm not going to give you rules for you. I'm not going to give you laws for you. But I'm going to remind you that rules are for safety. Not to bind you up, not to take away your freedom, not to do any, not, to, not a big stick, not to control you. They're all about safety. That's why God makes rules. Every, every system has rules that help it work. We have traffic systems. And you know what happens if those, those lights, are, those traffic lights don't work. Chaos, accidents, sometimes death. So we follow the rules of traffic, of driving. And for the most part, we all get home safe and get to our destination safely without even really thinking about it. So you want to say to yourself, okay, everything's lawful for me, but now I'm an adult. I'm the one that says no to me. Is that good for me? Is that good for me? 
And that's the, the imperative question right there. Do I set laws in my own life? Do I have rules for me? And I do. I have rules for, for Cynthia. Some of them might be common to other people. And some of them are just uniquely for me because I know what's best for me. And I know that some people can do some of the things and, and I can't do some of those things without great consequence. And I've shared this lots of times on the air. I used to smoke when I was in college. That was in the early 80s. So, And I quit smoking in 1985. And I loved cigarettes. I know for me, I'm not breaking a law if I smoke cigarettes. I can do whatever I want to do. But for me, it is really not beneficial. And I choose to create a law in my life that that is a big no for me. Big no. I'm not going to break that law. I know the consequence. I was very addicted to them. They are very addicting to do. I love cigarettes. I come from my, all my biological family smoked till the day they died. So I have that in my system. So I have to be very careful. And so I say no to me. That's not because I'm withholding a good thing. That's me making me safe. That's me opening all kinds of doors for me in my life because I don't smoke. And you know if you smoke, it's really an inhibitor. You can't go places and smell like smoke all the time. You can't smoke a lot of places. People think things about you if you smoke. They judge you if you smoke. I mean, it's just not as fun as it used to be, I got to tell you. So it's imperative that you understand you and you create the law for you, for your system, for what is safe for you. So I want you to think about while we're kind of doing this show, some of the things that might help you when you are thinking about laws and the word no and why you might really balk at that word or hate that word or not know how to do that word is what was it like growing up for you? What did rules mean when you were growing up? How were rules created? Did your parents talk about it with you about the rule? Did they explain the rule? See, God explained the rule. God said, don't eat that tree because you will die that same day. He said, no, and here's the explanation. Well, some of us have parents that just said the rule, and we don't know why they set the rule. We just know they set the rule, and they said, it's because it's the rule. So you want to ask yourself, what were rules like when I was growing up? Ask yourself, how did your parents handle the word no? Did they say no to you? Or did they say no to you all the time? Did they explain their no? Were they gracious about the no? Were they punitive? Were they harsh? Were they controlling? Were they legalistic? Were they unbending? Did they let you reason with them about the word no? So think about what, what did it feel like when I was growing up? Because a lot of our struggle with self-control has everything to do with how we experienced rule setting growing up. The more we were able to accept a rule, live within a rule, and, and it wasn't felt as a controlling issue or, or always consequential. It didn't always feel legalistic, like arbitrary. It wasn't, you know, the feeling that our parents were setting a rule to benefit them. See, if I had good rule setting, then I naturally grow up liking structure with, with enough absolutely maneuverability and ability to, to change things up and work around things. But having a, a kind of a, a structure that made the system safe and strong. And so why were there rules in your home? Did your parents talk to you about why there were rules? 
Why did you not have rules? And what did it feel like if you didn't have rules? What did it feel like if nobody ever told you what you were supposed to do and then you would get in trouble sometimes you didn't know why? And so this is what you want to think about. You want to say, what consequences were used if I broke a rule? Did they just simply allow for natural and logical consequences? Or did they actually inflict a consequence? And so think about how you responded to those things, because this has a great deal to do with how you are going to parent yourself. How you're going to parent your kids. How you're going to set rules with employees or your pets, right? How are you going to manage people that are underneath your care? How are you going to set rules and make structure for them? But mainly, am I going to parent myself the way my parents parented me? Am I going to continue with that legacy? Or am I going to choose to say no to what my parents did? Or am I going to say, yes, I like how my parents did some of those things. And for me, there's a lot of things my parents did right. I'm glad they did it. Uh, I tell clients frequently, some that are in their 30s and 40s, and I'm really introducing structure into their life, and they're having a heck of a time really creating good habits and following through and, and getting their chores done for their own self, their laundry and paying bills and washing the car and getting the house cleaned and you know, taking their vitamins like they should or eating, you know, well for their body. And they're having a terrible time just trying to do these types of things. Well, they were raised in homes that were very unstructured. And nobody created any kind of incentive or, or, or any reason why there should be rules. And so when they're in adulthood, they have a hard time imposing those rules upon themselves. So I say to them, you know, my, my parents were great about structure. And I appreciate that because I do very well and I have lots of really good habits and lots of self-control in, in some pretty significant areas. However, some of what my parents did was quite legalistic and, and didn't make sense to me. And there was judgment many times. And I didn't understand what the judgment was about. And so what that created was a tendency, that's one of the reasons I started smoking. That gave me this feeling of, you know what, nobody's going to say no to me again. You know, I'm never going to do it right. I never can obey all the laws, so I'm just not going to do them anymore, and I'm just going to relax. And so what we want to find is the incorporation of that 1 Corinthians verse in chapter 6, verse 12, that says, I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for me. I'm allowed to do anything, but I must not become a slave to anything. So one of the things that I do in my life that helps me a lot when I want to do something I know probably isn't a good idea, I say to to myself, Cynthia, you can do whatever you want. You can do it. Go do it. But but you're not going to avoid a consequence. See, the consequences are just natural and logical. They just come. If I jump off a building, I'm going to break my legs. It's not because gravity is mad at me. It's because I'm going to break my legs because that's what gravity does. That's what happens to humans that jump off buildings. They break things. So I can jump off the building if I so choose. I'm allowed to do that. God says, I gave you freedom. I set you free, Cynthia. You can do anything you want to do. But is it good for me? And who is going to determine if it's good for me? Well, 
If I'm an adult, then I'm the adult. I showed up. I'm the adult. I decide what is good for me. If I have children, then I'm deciding for them until they come to an age they can decide for themselves. And I'm hoping that with children, I'm doing it in a way that causes them to respect and like and love rules and, and structure because of the safety and the peace it brings. Because no structure, no safety always brings chaos. So think about what rules mean to you, what rules you need to start obeying in your own life. And this is one of the nicest things about God. Because he created the system, and he created the system to work with rules, he's very supportive of helping you do that. So if I say to God, you know, Lord, I think there's a rule that I need to be obeying in my own life, and I know it will go well with me if I do, and I'm really having a hard time doing it. I need your Holy Spirit. I need the blood of Christ. I need the power of Jesus to help me do this thing that I know is beneficial for me and to resist this thing that I know is not good for me. And that's a very powerful thing to do when you are starting to try to keep a rule. Because when we fail, we just want to quit and we want to think, well, it doesn't work anyways. When we want to say it's a process. When we're teaching children to do it, we have to do it repetitively over and over and over again. We, in, we, we create the rule. We keep the rule. We say no to the child. And so it's parenting you. So we're going, to, we're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about the power of no. So we have way more to go on this show. This is just the beginning of making friends with the word no. So I want to encourage you this week to remind yourself, God said you can do anything. I'm trusting you, though, to take care of you because I care about you. So God is saying, please care for you until I come and bring you home. Please care for you. Create rules and structure in your life that cause you to be safe and enjoy the freedom God has given you. So I'm praying that for you this week. And we're going to talk next week. We're going to do the next half of this show about the word no. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Find me on all the social media um, platforms. You can also listen to the podcasts on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. And certainly if you need a speaker, you can contact me through the website. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.